everyone, how are you doing today? Wazoo back here with Summons from Gallifrey, the podcast about Doctor Who. This is now episode five, and today we're going to be talking about Patrick Troughton's first episode called The Power of the Daleks. So we'll go into a few behind the scenes, and then we'll go right into the show. Before I get started on any of that, I just wanted to remind you that if you have any feedback for this podcast, please send it all to mailbag at summonsfromgallifrey.com. I read everything that comes in, and it really helps me put together the feedback episodes that I do after each of these main episode podcasts. Okay, so as we, dis- as we covered in the last episode, during season three in 1966, William Hartnell had made the decision to not extend his contract, thereby leaving the show. According to some records, it was Innes Lloyd who came up with the idea of regeneration as an in-universe mechanism to replace the lead actor. Lloyd began to look for replacement with the knowledge that the survival of the show really depended on the audience accepting another actor in the lead role. While John Wiles, the outgoing producer, wanted to replace Hartnell with someone similar, Lloyd and script editor Jerry Davis also made a bold decision of looking for someone that didn't look or sound at all like William Hartnell. Hence, the fairly blurry regeneration footage at the end of The Tenth Planet. It's not that obvious at all that it's Patrick Troughton, so maybe John Wiles had Davis film it that way to preserve some ambiguity in case there was a problem before Troughton season? That's always possible. Eventually, the team settles on offering the role to Patrick Troughton, who had turned down an unrelated earlier offer from the show to play a character in one of Hartnell's final stories, The Gunfighters. According to the production team, Hartnell himself is pleased with the choice, being quoted as saying, there's only one man in England who could take over, and that's Patrick Troughton. However, Hartnell himself has denied ever making that statement. Oh, controversy. At first, Troughton struggled with how to approach playing the doctor, and had a timely conversation with Sidney Newman, who suggested a portrayal of a cosmic hobo, a sort of a Charlie Chapman type, which Troughton tried to embrace. Coming back to Troughton's opening story, it honestly never struck me until doing this very episode of the podcast how critical this was to land. The entire franchise depended on Troughton selling himself as the Doctor and being accepted by the fans. This story was the fulcrum on the entire franchise. It only made perfect sense, therefore, to go with the most popular enemy in the franchise, the Daleks. Created by Terry Nation, since their introduction in Season 1, the Daleks had taken the entire country by force. Overnight, Doctor Who was on the radar due primarily to the popularity of the Daleks. Troughton's first story, The Power of the Daleks, is the only surviving story of that year within the BBC archives, but only in audio format. Similar to the work done on the fourth episode of The Tenth Planet, the BBC released the full story in animated form in November 2016. I'm really pumped and excited to get into the synopsis. Let's get into it. Okay, we start with episode one. It's a cold open. A modern technique used by some shows, but I'm pretty amazed to see it here. Not sure if this is what was in the broadcasted version or specifically made for the animated version of the story, but it works very well. It's really cool. 
We open with a repeated regeneration sequence from the final moments of the tenth planet, and then the opening music kicks in. As you might expect, Ben and Polly are shocked and unsure what's going on. They're not even sure the doctor is the doctor, even his clothes have regenerated. Ben is in disbelief over what he's seeing. The doctor groans, but as he sits up, there's a pulsing high-pitched squeal. It turns, out, <laughs> it turns out to be coming from within his own head. His vision is spinning, but finally calms down to focus on Ben and Polly and the TARDIS console. It's over, chuckles the doctor, as he makes his way to the TARDIS console and starts flipping switches. The doctor starts the TARDIS in flight, while Ben and Polly are still puzzled and not entirely sure he is the doctor. His features are different. A ring that the doctor always wore falls to the TARDIS floor, which Ben picks up. Ben approaches him to try and get to the bottom of things, but the doctor is busy looking through a wardrobe chest. The chest turns out to be full of collectibles that the first doctor filled during his travels. He picks out a sword from the Crusades, a piece of metal which I think is a piece of a Dalek, finally bringing out a magnifying glass to examine his nails. Ben tries to put the ring back on the doctor, but it just falls off right away. Polly stammers that he's changed, to which the doctor replies that life depends on change. He tries to order Ben and Polly around, but they just stare at him. He begins to look around for a diary that the first doctor kept. He instead finds a recorder and starts with a banger. He then picks up the diary while Polly begins to ask him what will happen to her and Ben. So before we go on any further, I did want to make a comment about his hat. Oh my goodness. I have no concept of 1960s fashion in the UK, but this hat really verges on the ridiculous. Picture Troughton in wardrobe before filming this episode and finding a traditional leprechaun hat and someone else yelling out, more cowbell! And so they found a comically oversized super leprechaun hat like a black felt leprechaun hat that has it has itself another leprechaun hat. Anyways, it's pretty crazy. I don't know how long the doctor keeps it for, but it's it's a little ridiculous. Anyway, back to the story. The crew finally head out of the TARDIS. It's definitely an alien landscape. Barren, just mostly rock with pools of mercury, basically bubbling along the ground. The way it's drawn, the landscape looks familiar, similar to LV-246 from Alien Aliens. The doctor is walking around while his nose is in his diary. He's still getting used to his changes when he hears a loud hello from a man nearby. The doctor heads toward him when suddenly the man is shot and he falls over dead. The doctor bends to check his pulse, then starts looking around for the shooter, but doesn't spot anyone. He notices a badge near the body picks it up. He puts on his old glasses, but then he realizes that it makes his vision blurry. He realizes he doesn't need the glasses to read the badge, and so he just takes them off. The badge reads Vulcan, Earth Examiner, Accord Every Access. While he's looking at the badge, he doesn't notice the shooter behind him, who's wearing a white jumpsuit outfit. Suddenly Ben starts calling out for the doctor, which scares away the shooter. Ben and Polly are back just outside the TARDIS looking around. Polly is squatting near one of the pools of goop, and a cloud of gas releases which causes her to cough and pass out in Ben's arms. While Ben is calling for the doctor, 
The shooter knocks the doctor out with the butt of a gun, then puts a necklace thing in one of the doctor's hands. He then drags the body of the dead man away. Meanwhile, Ben also starts coughing and passes out as another human wearing a white jumpsuit closes in on him, gun drawn. It turns out there's a bunch of men in white jumpsuits, but these ones are making sure the doctor, Ben, and Polly are okay. One jumpsuit human introduces himself as Quinn, the deputy governor, while the other's name is Bregan, head of security. They mistakenly assume that the TARDIS crew is part of a recent rocket from Earth that missed the landing area, perhaps the same rocket where the dead man came from. They bring the three of them back to their colony. It looks like a spacey oil rig thing, if you can imagine that. Inside, a scientist Lesterson is running some tests when a worried Janley comes in to warn him of the arrived examiner, aka the doctor. He's obsessing over a piece of metal that is not corroded and doesn't care about any examiner. No matter what kind of environment that Lesterson has subjected to the piece of metal, it's maintained its shine. Ganley warns him that perhaps the Deputy Governor Quinn has brought the examiner in in order to halt Lesterson's analysis and research on this capsule that the piece of metal is from. There's some conversation that Ganley is part of some underground rebel group within this colony that wants to take over. Ben, Polly, and the doctor are waiting in a room together. The doctor is just playing the recorder while Polly is asking him questions about the dead man. Ben quickly becomes upset that the doctor is answering her questions with recorder notes, and so he demands some proper answers. The door opens, and Hensel, the governor, along with Bregan, come into the room. Hensel is clearly annoyed that Earth has sent an examiner and tries to get a straight answer out of the doctor. The doctor is bluffing, pretending that he indeed is the examiner and he's arrived to examine and wants to start immediately. While Hensel suggests he's there to check out the rebels that have been growing, Quinn mentions the capsule that Lesterson has found in the Mercury Swamp, maybe has been there for several centuries. The doctor is definitely interested but sends away Hensel and Quinn. Polly, Ben and the doctor start whispering together and the doctor definitely wants to check out this capsule. He then sits back and continues playing the recorder. Ben is worried that their luck will run out when the killer of the real examiner will call their bluff. Hensel, Bregan, Lesterson, and Janley are all in the lab with the capsule as the doctor is examining it. After a few moments, the doctor spots a piece of metal that Lesterson was holding earlier and picks it up with a worried expression. While Hensel and Lesterson are debating the opening of the capsule, the doctor is holding the piece of metal mumbling extermination in a cryptic tone. Lesterson tries a laser on, on one side of the capsule and it turns out to be a door which slides open. The doctor and Lesterson step inside and it's just an empty antechamber with other locked doors leading into the capsule. To everyone's surprise, the doctor calls it a night and goes back to his room. Quinn wants a few minutes alone with the examiner, but Hensel orders everyone to leave him alone except for Lesterson who is to keep the doctor distracted with this capsule. Later that night, Ben and Polly follow the doctor who has snuck out of the room and is heading into the capsule in the lab on his own. The doctor picks up one of the pieces of metal and brings it into the capsule. He starts to wave it around near a sensor next to a locked door, and with a click, the door slides open. Inside the room are a couple of Daleks covered in spiderwebs. 
As they're poking around the room, Polly discovers an empty Dalek-sized clean spot on the ground, meaning that a Dalek is missing. Ben shouts and they turn to see a Dalek outside of its casing escape the room by slithering under the door. Cliffhanger. So if you haven't seen what a Dalek looks like, they are actually little tiny alien-looking creatures, like blobs. A uh, picture like Krang uh, from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Episode 2. The doctor whispers to Ben to run out and get a light. Anything. While Ben is rifling through Lesterson's desk to find a light, he doesn't notice Lesterson in the dark watching him. Ben runs back inside the capsule and hands the light to the doctor. Imagine some really creepy musical tunes. I'll try and squeeze them in here. They don't see anything else and begin to leave. Ben and Polly have a minor disagreement if Lesterson has stolen the third Dalek or not. The doctor suggests that perhaps Lesterson's been experimenting on the Dalek. He mentions the instability within the colony itself between Lesterson and Hensel and adds to that one missing Dalek equals a really rough time. Meanwhile, Quinn enters the doctor's room looking for him and Bregan pops up behind him, reminding Quinn that Hensel had given him explicit instructions not to contact the examiner. Back in the capsule room, the doctor is still talking through possibilities with, with Polly and Ben when Lesterson comes into the room demanding an explanation. The doctor accuses Lesterson of opening the capsule on his own beforehand and taking and hiding one of the Daleks. Just then, Bregan comes into the room demanding answers. Lesterson comes clean about seeing the Daleks beforehand, but he's convinced they're just dead tissue. Ben starts to mention the live Dalek creature he saw, but the doctor interrupts him with a blast on his recorder, then motioning for Ben to keep quiet. The doctor makes a demand for the Dalek to be broken up and destroyed, but Bregan won't hear it. He says it would take an order from Hensel himself. The doctor, Ben and Polly leave with Bregan to see Hensel, while Lesterson disappears into a side room within which sits the missing third Dalek. Lesterson starts polishing it with a rag, vowing to discover its secrets. Meanwhile, back in their room, as the doctor's persuading Bregan to destroy the Dalek, they're, be they're being given fruit trays to munch on while they rest. Bregan then tells the trio about the rubble group and underground newspaper that is taking up a lot of Hensel's attention. And then he leaves to try and arrange a meeting. After he's gone, the doctor motions with his finger for Polly and Ben to be quiet. He splits open a grapefruit on one of the fruit trays, and inside they find a hidden microphone. The doctor smashes it. They begin to try and guess who planted the microphone, and what was the clue that the murderer of the real examiner had planted on the doctor, the leafy medallion thing. They sort of rule out the governor, but they're not 100% sure on that either. Ben votes to get back to the TARDIS and leave, convinced the Daleks are dead and not a threat. But the Doctor makes it all too clear that he knows all about the Daleks, and that's why they're staying. They have to stay. Back in Lesterson's lab, he, Janley, and Resno, another scientist, are working as fast as they can to try and revive the third Dalek before Hensel eventually gets there to terminate the whole project. Bregan comes back to the Doctor's room to let them know that Hensel can't see them until the next morning. After they leave, the doctor is convinced he heard someone rustling just outside their door, so he leaves Ben and Polly to go investigate. Back in the lab, Lesterson and his team have power leads connected to the Dalek and are trying to jumpstart it, using power from the colony. 
The first test isn't working, so they increase it. The Dalek sucker arm slowly starts moving, and the eye stock slowly starts to power on. Its gun attachment is still limp, however. After a few moments, the Dalek goes limp again, so they again increase the power in the leads. A few moments later, the Dalek comes to life again, this time swiveling its eye stock around to focus on Resno, who's on the power controls. He freaks the heck out, convinced the Dalek is watching him, but Lesterson dismisses his fears. Meanwhile, the doctor finds himself in a dark communications room and discovers a body on the ground. After a few moments, Quinn moves out of the shadows, desperate to try and talk to the doctor. Just then, Bregan comes into the room and flips on the lights to find the doctor over the body and Quinn holding cable cutters. They both swear innocence as the doctor points out that the communication lines to Earth are cut. The doctor produces the leafy medallion thing. I think it's a jacket button, but it's, it's not entirely clear in this animated version, but I think it's supposed to be a jacket button. And Bregan thinks it belongs to Quinn, which he doesn't deny. Bregan places a protesting Quinn under arrest and leads him out. Meanwhile, back in the lab, Lesterson is cranking the power up to 4.68. The Dalek comes back to life. Focusing his eye stock again on poor Resno, who is trying to film it with a camera. I think the Dalek interprets it as a weapon, and it fires its laser gun. Resno falls to the ground. Lesterson cuts the power and gently rushes to Resno. With relief, she exclaims he's just knocked out. Lesterson runs out to get help for Resno. Back in the doctor's room, he's playing the recorder while Ben and Polly are disagreeing about Quinn's guilt. Polly's convinced he's innocent, while Ben thinks he's pretty darn guilty. Bregan then enters to escort them to the inquiry. Back in the lab, Lesterson is excited about the future and what they can achieve with the help of the Dalek. Janley convinces him not to say a word about Resno, as it would give the examiner definite cause to shut down the experiments. She basically tells Lesterson that Resno is recovering in the hospital. Back in Hensel's office, the doctor, Ben and Polly are listening quietly as Bregan is going through the evidence, quote unquote, found on Quinn, who still denies any wrongdoing. Just then, Lesterson bursts into the room, giddy with excitement. He's all over himself. Despite protests from Hensel, Lesterson promises that his discovery will revolutionize the entire colony. With fear in the doctor's eyes, the Dalek slowly enters the room with everyone gasping. The Dalek spots the doctor and follows him around with his eye stock, who's also convinced that the Dalek recognizes him. Lesterson tries to alleviate some of the fears by giving the Dalek some simple orders. Move around, spin this way, move a chair, which the Dalek complies with. The Dalek suddenly speaks for the first time, saying, I am your servant. The doctor starts to warn the others about how the Daleks are exterminators and the colony will be destroyed. This is basically the, uh, and it cliffhangers right here, but basically uh, the doctor is coming up with a whole bunch of protest, protesting reasons as to why the Dalek can't, can't be trusted. And it's just continuously saying, I am your servant over and over and over, drowning out all, everything that the doctor is saying. Episode three. Hensel is nervous about giving permission to Lesterson to continue the experiments, but both Lesterson and Bregan give persuasive arguments. Hensel sees that this could improve his leverage over Earth, 
So he grants Lesterson the permission he needs. Basically carte blanche. Nobody, of course, believes the doctor, so he leaves the room with Ben and Polly, promising to contact Earth once communications are restored. The Dalek announces that it will only obey Lesterson. Hensel gets a little bit nervous about that as well, but Lesterson reassures him that it'll be okay. Lesterson and Janley leave the room with the Dalek. This leaves Quinn still protesting his innocence to Hensel and Bregan. Quinn finally reveals that he's the one they'd initially sent for an examiner. Bregan tries to pin the murder and the communication sabotage on Quinn in order to undermine the governor and take his place. Hensel orders the protesting Quinn to be taken away. Hensel then just feels betrayed that as he's the one that handpicked Quinn to be his deputy. He would have promoted Quinn to governor within a few months. He then promotes Bregan to deputy governor who just smiles. Like a Cheshire cat smile. Meanwhile, the doctor is trying to smash up a control unit while telling Ben and Polly that he's convinced the Daleks are using Lesterson. The problem is that if they kill the Dalek, the humans will all blame the doctor and kill him. But if they don't do anything, the Daleks will exterminate everyone. They leave the room and pass Quinn who's being led away. The doctor promises Polly that they'll help the innocent Quinn, but they first have to focus on the Daleks. They get to Lesterson's lab, and the doctor tries to apologize to Lesterson and smooth things over. Lesterson is still not sure about how truthful the doctor is, but eventually he calms down, and him and the doctor call a truce to oversee his tests with the Dalek. The phone rings, and Janley picks it up. She nods a few times, then excuses herself from the lab. Lesterson continues asking the Dalek physics trivia questions. Pretty easy stuff. But the Dalek answers all of them. The doctor slides to a control panel and does some fiddling which throws the Dalek into a bit of static turbulence, but it recovers fairly quickly. Lesterson is not impressed and throws the doctor out of his lab. Meanwhile, Janley is meeting with Bregan. The two seem to be behind everything happening in the colony. Bregan had planted Janley among the rebels to stir up enough trouble to get rid of the governor, so it's a bonus that he's been made deputy governor. They plot to set up the remaining rebels, after which they'll be crushed by Bregan and his loyalists. The colony will be so grateful that they'll make him governor. On Bregan's desk is a Dalek laser gun arm. I forgot to mention that what, what they did after they shut down, after Lesserson shut down the Dalek when it fired on Resno, they removed the laser arm attachment. Janley confirms that Resno is indeed dead. She had lied to Lesterson about him recovering and hid the body of Resno in the swamp. Bregan wants Janley to bring the Dalek laser to Valmar, one of the rebels, for them to activate. Valmar is a tool specialist, I guess. Bregan is almost ready to make his move, but wants one more card in his hand. The examiner is indeed dangerous. We then cut to Polly. She and Ben can't find the doctor. He's no longer in Lesterson's lab. She and Ben had split, split up as she's tired and wants to go back to the room. On the way, Janley is waiting for her. She tells Polly she saw the examiner in the communications room and gives her directions. Polly manages to find the dark communications room and she enters, asking around for the doctor. Valmar comes up behind Polly and knocks her out. Janley demands that Valmar and his friends keep Polly hidden, which he agrees. 
Jen le then leads Valmar over to a desk where she's got the Dalek laser gun. She gives it to Valmar, who's convinced it will help them win the revolution. Meanwhile, back at the room, the doctor is thinking while playing the recorder. Ben is pacing up and down, convinced that something's happened to Polly. But the doctor is still thinking about the Dalek, so Ben grabs him and wants to report the missing Polly. Back at the lab, Lesterson is talking to the Dalek and relieved that it's okay after the doctor's meddling. The Dalek begins to ask about the equipment in the room and almost slips up when Lesterson tells the Dalek it has an almost human-like curiosity. A Dalek is bet is not the same as a human. It's a pretty funny quote. The Dalek convinces Lesterson that it can build him a supercomputer to help make things run more efficiently at the colony, but it needs the materials. Lesterson leaves immediately to get the permission he needs from Hensel. While he's gone, the Dalek cranks the power on the control panel and goes into the capsule. The Doctor and Ben are in a side hallway when they spot Lesterson walking by. The Doctor convinces Ben that they can now get into the lab. The single Dalek confronts the Doctor who orders Ben to shut down the power. He tells the scared Ben not to be afraid as the Dalek is unarmed. Suddenly, the two other Daleks that were previously covered in spiderwebs make their way out of the capsule moving towards the Doctor and Ben. The Doctor gets spooked and he and Ben run out. The Daleks start repeating to each other, We will conquer. We will conquer. I'll have to splice that in here somehow. In Hensel's office, the Doctor realizes that Lesterson didn't activate the other two Daleks. The other Dalek must have done it. But Lesterson isn't the least bit concerned. He was going to do it anyways. He figures he can just turn off the power, then disarm the two new Daleks. Hensel has full confidence in Lesterson, despite the protesting doctor, who leaves with Ben in a huff. Hensel leaves Bregan in charge, ordering to give Lesterson everything he needs, while he goes to visit the perimeter. Lesterson is worried about the examiner, but Bregan assures him that he won't be a problem. Back in their room, the doctor sits down while Ben is still worried about Polly. Bregan comes by and promises Ben that he'll keep an eye out for Polly. He then pretty much reveals that he knows that the doctor isn't the real examiner, which means that he's the one who killed the real examiner, leaving the doctor to pick up his badge. They're at a stalemate, as he's not convinced the governor wouldn't believe the doctor over him, so he leaves, but warns Ben and the doctor to stay away from Lesterson and the Dalek. A few moments after Bregan leaves, a note is slid under the door. Ben picks it up and reads it. The girl will remain safe as long as you stay away from the Daleks. Meanwhile in the lab, Lesterson is pleased that the Dalek has disarmed the other two Daleks. Lesterson agrees to give them access to everything they need. All three Daleks start joining together and chanting, We will get our power! We will get our power! I can't do a Dalek voice. Cliffhanger. Okay, episode four. Lesterson shuts off the power generator which stops the Dalek chanting in mid-chant. He reminds them that he is controlling them. They obey and he turns the power back on. The two Daleks return to the capsule, leaving the original Dalek to talk to Lesterson. He asks for the plans for the computer that was promised and the Dalek leads him over to a table where there's a giant blueprint which really impresses Lesterson. 
I don't know how a Dalek could create a giant blueprint, but whatever. Meanwhile, in Bregan's office, he's dressed himself up in a new deputy governor uniform, which is pretty much an all-in-black one. He's settling into the office. The doctor and Ben burst into the room, showing Bregan the note and asking for real help to find Polly. Then the Dalek comes into the room with a tray of a glass of lemonade for Bregan. It's a very surreal and unnerving moment. They leave making a plan to find Polly themselves. As they head out the door, the doctor makes a note of the tile and not the metallic floor. Bregan takes a call from the governor who's still out visiting the perimeter, assuring him that everything is okay. The governor tells him that he'll be back in a day or two. The Dalek then comes back asking if Bregan is done with his liquid. It's, all, it's hilarious. One moment, Governor. When will you be coming back? Oh, not for a day or two at least. You can manage, can't you? Yes. Yes, of course, Governor. What do you want? Have you finished your liquid? No. No, I haven't. In a side corridor, the doctor is explaining to Ben that the Daleks need static electricity on the floor in order to move. The doctor notices Jan Lee hanging up a note on an announcement board. Other scientists are stopping by and studying the new announcement, then walking away. It piques his curiosity, but then him and Ben stop talking when three Daleks come by. Ben suddenly reminds the doctor that if, if there's these three plus the one in Bregan's office, it means there's now four Daleks. The doctor doubts that Lesterson is responsible for building it. Back in the lab, Lesterson is talking to Janley and suddenly starts to become concerned as to what's happening with the Daleks. They're working all on their own in their capsule using Lesterson's equipment. He mentions that he'll seek out the doctor to ask his advice. But Janley walks closer to him and advises Lesterson not to do it, or the examiner will find out what happened to Resno. She finally tells Lesterson that Resno's dead, and that Lesterson is responsible. He realizes he's being blackmailed by Janley. The doctor and Ben come into the lab, demanding if Lesterson knows anything about Polly, showing him the note. He denies knowing anything. The doctor informs him that there's now four Daleks moving around, and Lesterson is genuinely shocked. Janley still thinks of them as machines, but the doctor corrects her that they're highly advanced beyond machines, which causes Lesterson even more grief. Janley orders the guard at the door to throw out the doctor and Ben. She sedates Lesterson, then calls Valmar in to finish ho hooking up some power cables for the Daleks. Meanwhile, the doctor and Ben are studying the announcement board. The doctor finally figures it out and realizes that the capital letters on the notice is the code. After writing everything down, they translate it to be, to be meeting tonight, 20 hundred hours, rocket room P. They plan to be in the meeting room early. Cut to Ben and the doctor hiding behind some boxes and shelves in rocket room P. It's much later and the room starts to fill up with some rebels along with Janley and Valmar. These are basically rebel group representatives from, from around the colony. At a nod from a hidden person sitting in the shadows, Valmar arms a Dalek with the Dalek laser gun and brings out a control box 
to order the Dalek to fire on a piece of thick metal, which it blows through effortlessly with the laser gun. One representative remains really dubious. He wants to make sure that the Dalek won't kill his people. With another nod from the person sitting in the shadows, Janley stands in, in the middle of the room. With the gulp, Valmar tries to order the Dalek to fire, but it cannot. Or at least it, pre it pretends that it can't. Demonstration over, the room begins to clear, but Ben makes some noise by accident. He stands up and distracts everyone to make sure that the doctor isn't also spotted, and he's taken away by the rebels. Everyone leaves, leaving the person sitting in the shadows and the doctor. You may as well come out, I know you're there, says the person who reveals himself to be Bregan. The doctor comes out horrified but unsurprised that Bregan is behind everything. Bregan lets the doctor know that his guards are about to find the body of the real examiner in the swamp and will bring it to the governor, exposing the doctor who still has no evidence that Bregan was the murderer. Cut to Quinn's prison cell where the doctor is being led into. Quinn gives the doctor an exasperated hello as the doctor immediately reveals that Bregan is behind the rebels as well as murdering the real examiner. The doctor confesses that he, Ben, and Polly are just travelers and came across the dead examiner. While they're talking, the doctor realizes the cell doors are controlled by sound, so he's testing different frequencies of pitch with a whistle he's produced from a pocket. Cut to the lab where Lesterson hides behind a desk just as some Daleks come out of the capsule. He realizes that they're conspiring together against everyone and realizes what a fool he's been, and that the doctor was right. He sees that there are four Daleks. After the Daleks leave, Lesterson sneaks into the capsule. He makes his way deep into the capsule going through several doors. How big is this thing? I mean, seriously. And discovers the Daleks have set up a factory to create more Daleks. One Dalek is using a large sieve thing and is pulling basically a new jelly Dalek out of a vat. They then zap it to life with a charge of static electricity and then place it into a fresh Dalek encasement. There's many Daleks coming out of another antechamber with their armaments saying we are the new race of Daleks. They all stream into a big chamber within the capsule. There's at least 30 or 50 or so all making the same chant. Cliffhanger. Episode 5. Lesterson is in total shock but makes his way out of the capsule. He locks the main door from the outside, then shuts off the power, while babbling to Janley that the Daleks are duplicating themselves. He starts going off the deep end while Janney, Janley is trying to talk some reason into him. He won't listen and wants to melt down the Daleks and destroy them all. He picks up the phone to get a hold of the examiner, but finds out he's in prison. Suddenly the capsule door opens, and Lesserson asks the Dalek how it's moving when he's shut down the power. The Dalek tells him that they now can store power, to which Lesterson panics and runs out of the lab looking for the doctor. Meanwhile, Janley brings a bound and gagged Polly into the lab. After removing the gag from Polly's mouth, she begs Janley to reconsider allying themselves with the Daleks. Once the rebels take control of the colony, will the Daleks really stay as their servants? Polly is led into the capsule under guard. Janley talks to the Dalek guard and figures out that the Daleks operate on static electricity and are converting the power being fed to them by the lab into the form that they rely on. Meanwhile, back in their cell, the doctor is trying to figure out where the Daleks are getting their power from, 
while still playing with different frequencies to test the locks, while Quinn is getting annoyed. A manic Lesterson bursts into the prison area, telling the doctor that the Daleks are duplicating and generating their own power. The guards take Lesterson to bring him to Bregan, while the doctor asks for a glass of water. The doctor starts to move his finger on the rim of the glass of water as Quinn listens to the frequency being made and helping the doctor get closer to the frequency they need to open the doors. Meanwhile, back in Bregan's office, Lesterson tell, starts to tell the Bregan to get the governor back and that they're all in danger from the Daleks, that they have been lying to Lesterson the entire time. Janley and Bregan both try to convince Lesterson that he's losing it, that he's the one that's going mad. He's just babbling at this point, so Bregan orders him restrained. Meanwhile in the capsule, Valmar and Kebel are fixing up some additional power lines for the Daleks while Polly is tied up nearby. She starts warning them about the Daleks. Valmar starts to listen to her, but Kebel is trying to dismiss her. Kebel is one of the guys who was in the rebel meeting room. She tells them that they're just travelers and that the doctor found the real examiner dead. Kebel just laughs at her, but Valmar is interested to know if the doctor knows about the Daleks. Polly admits that the only reason they stayed here was because of how dangerous the doctor knows the Daleks to be. Valmar is getting concerned, but tries to argue that they're friendly with the Daleks. Once they take over the colony, there'll be peace. But Polly explains to them that the Daleks have destroyed whole worlds. They're not interested in peace, only extermination of anything that is not Dalek. Meanwhile, the governor has returned and is asking a nearby guard what's going on with the Daleks and why he's holding a gun. Back in the prison cell, the doctor tries another frequency with the water glass. The nearby guard is not impressed and walks over to the doctor's cell. The doctor innocently pulls out his recorder and starts playing a tune while Quinn has snuck out of his cell. He knocks the guard out from behind. They lock the guard up in the doctor's cell and the two leave. Meanwhile, the governor comes into Bregan's office, where Bregan informs him that the examiner is in prison for the murder of the real examiner, whose body was recently found in the Mercury Swamp. Bregan then makes the move he's been plotting for a while now. He tells the governor that he is now in control. The governor isn't too surprised, but warns Bregan the citizens won't react too well when they hear of the governor's imprisonment. Bregan tells him there'll be a lot less bloodshed if the governor cooperates. The Dalek comes into the room, and Bregan dismisses his guards. He pulls out the laser gun attachment and places it on the Dalek. Hensel still refuses to help Bregan, so he orders the Dalek to kill him. The Dalek does, and then Bregan removes the laser gun arm again. Back in the lab, the Doctor and Quinn are hiding behind a desk, just as Valmar is waiting to get back into the capsule with a repair piece. He asks the Dalek why they, why they need these pieces when they already have the colony's power. The Dalek tells him that they're using these pieces Valmar is hooking up to do the conversion of the power to static power. Suddenly Janley comes in and tells Valmar that the governor is back. They rush out of the lab followed by the Dalek, leaving Polly in the capsule. The doctor stands up, now understanding where the Daleks are getting their static power from. Polly yells for the doctor to look out for Kebel, who has let go of Polly and is trying to make his way out of the capsule to attack the doctor. Quinn easily disarms him. While Polly tries to tell the doctor about Ben, more Daleks start coming out of the capsule. He urges them all to run, and they all leave just in time. 
shoving the wrench that Kebel was using into the door handle to stop the Daleks. Of course it doesn't last long, and the Dalek uses its laser gun to destroy the wrench, letting it open the door. This effect looks a little weird, uh, because the door doesn't really have a hole in it, so the laser gun acted more like a magnetic gun to dislodge the wrench on the other side of the door. The one Dalek near the door orders one of the other Daleks to return to the capsule and tell the others. The Daleks join together and plan to just wait for the humans to attack each other. Then they will join the battle and exterminate everyone. And then here you can cue the Dalek chanting exterminate for like, it feels like 20 to 30 seconds. It's probably only about five. Back in the governor's office, Quinn and the doctor are examining the governor's body. The doctor tells Quinn that the people will listen to him, but, that, but then Bregan enters with some guards declaring martial law. As he orders the doctor, Quinn and Polly escorted to the prison under armed guard, he tells them that he's in control and the Daleks will follow all of his orders. Cut back to the chanting Daleks. Suddenly one says that new orders have been received. Exterminate all humans. They leave the capsule now chanting Daleks conquer and destroy. Cliffhanger. Episode 6. Last one, folks. The Daleks flood out of the capsule, ready to exterminate all humans. The Doctor, Quinn, and Polly are being led down a corridor when they're confronted by a Dalek who for some reason warns them to leave the area or they'll be exterminated. It's a little bit strange. The Doctor notices that the Dalek is armed and they rush into an empty side corridor right away. Meanwhile, Jan Lee walks into Bregan's office declaring victory. They've won. Everything's over. But Bregan is not yet done. He also wants to kill Valmar Kebel and the other rebels to ensure that Bregan stays in control. Jan Lee is shocked and not sure what to do. Valmar is hiding near the door and is overhearing everything. Bregan tells her to tell the rebels to still attack in order for Bregan's forces to kill them. She begs Bregan to just arrest them without slaughtering them, but Bregan refuses and wants to know which side she's on. She reluctantly agrees to help Bregan. An angry and betrayed Valmar leaves. Meanwhile, the doctor, Quinn, and Polly are still being led down a corridor by, a gu by the guard. Suddenly, the doctor punches the guard to the ground, and they all run away. Cut to Valmar entering a room with a tied-up Ben. Ben wants to know what's going on, but it's clear that Valmar is going to free him, telling him that Bregan is going to kill everyone who had sided with him. Valmar pleads with Ben to stay there while he tries to find the doctor and the others to bring back, which Ben does. Governor Bregan then video phones an outpost to tell them to start attacking some rebels gathering nearby. He then flicks on a global switch, communication switch, and announces to the colony that the governor has been murdered by the rebels and he's temporarily assuming command. Meanwhile, the doctor, Polly, and Quinn return to Ben's room and they're all excited to see each other. The doctor tells Quinn to keep an eye on Ben and Polly and then he rushes out. Back in the lab, the Daleks then repeat that they've gotten the order to exterminate. In another room, another group of Daleks are with Janli and Valmar. He tells her that he overheard everything in the governor's office, but she wants to take the Dalek group to Bregan's office to kill him. This group of Daleks tells them that they will fight for them. Valmar definitely doesn't trust them, but he ends up agreeing with Janli that Bregan's guards will wipe them out unless they use the Daleks. Back in Quinn's room, 
The doctor runs in, shutting the door with the sound of gunfire outside. He yells for all of them to get out of a window or else they'll be killed. Cadbull opens the door and is killed by a Dalek laser blast. The group makes its way out of the window just in time as some Daleks enter the room. Cut back to Bragan's office. A guard runs in to tell him that the rebels are using Daleks against them. Bragan orders them back to the fight while using the global communicator again to warn citizens to stay in their homes while, ever, while order is restored. Valmar and Janley's group come across some rebels pinned down by some guards. They order the Dalek to kill one guard, but then it turns and starts to kill some of the rebels as well. Just as the Dalek is about to kill Janley and Valmar, they're able to escape and run away. The Doctor, Quinn, Ben, and Polly get back to the lab. Polly lets out a small yell as Lesherson appears and gets the group to hide behind a lab desk while another Dalek rolls past. Lesherson has clearly lost it. He's resigned to the fact that the Daleks are the superior species, and man has had its day. The two Daleks nearby reveal that their static circuit is nearly completed, then decide to leave the lab to do some hunting. Valmar and Janley find Quinn and are just about to go with him when Janley is gunned down by a, by a Dalek. An angry Ben demands from Lesterson to know why he set up this power circuit as it's been the death of everyone in the colony. Lesterson tells them that he didn't know that Janley had asked Valmar to set up a secret power cable for the Daleks. The doctor wants to know where the secret cable is, but Lesterson doesn't know. The doctor tells Ben and Polly to stay there while he finds Valmar. Cut to some footage of random guards and colonists being gunned down by groups of Daleks. Valmar is cradling the body of Janley while Quinn is urging them to get out of there. The doctor runs up and asks Valmar where he hooked up the power supply. Valmar tells him that it's inside the capsule. Quinn gets excited, asking how they can cut off the power. But the doctor doesn't want to cut it off. He wants to do the opposite. But he tells Quinn and Valmar that they need more time. They need to use Bregan's guards to fight the Daleks to buy them some additional time. Back in Bregan's office, he's trying to use the communicator to reach his guards, but everyone he flips to is dead. Cut to footage of many more bodies of both guards and colonists dead on the ground at the feet of the Daleks. Bregan gets on the intercom again and orders the Daleks to disarm themselves and stop the fighting. He's the governor. Of course, he's ignored. Ben and Polly no longer feel safe where they are in the lab and hide in a small empty side room. Back in Bregan's office, Quinn enters with his gun, telling Bregan that all his guards are dead thanks to the Daleks. If they want to give the doctor a chance to disable the Daleks, Quinn tells Bregan he needs to send every remaining guard he's got to fight. So Bregan picks up the communicator and gets every guard in. The doctor and Valmar burst into the lab to find Ben and Polly. His plan is to tinker with the power circuits that Valmar had inserted instead of just unplugging them all. Ben gives them a hand while Polly watches for Daleks. A few moments later, a Dalek enters the room to join another that has shown up from the capsule. They are distracted by Lesterson, who tells them that he is their servant. They kill him instantly. While Lesterson was distracting the Daleks, the doctor was doing some fiddling with power conduits nearby. The Daleks see him, but they fail to kill him with their lasers. They miss and destroy the power box. The Daleks themselves start to scream and give off smoke. 
Around the complex, every Dalek is affected this way. They're all losing power and then exploding. And here we get cutscene after cutscene of Daleks exploding, running away, screaming, exploding, standing still, spinning around, exploding. It's pretty cool though. Reagan takes this opportunity to wrestle the gun from Quinn's hand. He's just about to shoot him in order to restore order to the colony when Valmar kills Bregan. Quinn and Valmar leave the room, intent on repairing everything in the colony together. They all rejoin the Dr. Ben and Polly in the lab, where Valmar pieces together how the doctor overloaded the colony power supply to blow up the Dalek static circuit. While Quinn is relieved, Valmar is upset that the doctor's plan destroyed the colony's power supply, which will take months to repair. They then start to sneak out of the room. The doctor tells Ben and Polly they'd better leave before someone sends them a bill. As they're walking back to the TARDIS, they pass a dead Dalek, who's parked right in front of the ship. As the TARDIS dematerializes, the Dalek's eye stalk slowly lifts up to watch the TARDIS vanish. Ooh-wee! Okay, how is that for an opening story? So let's go through some of the numbers. Episode 1 had 7.9 million viewers. Episode 2, 7.8. Episode 3, 7.5. Episode 4, 7.8. Episode 5, with a whopping 8.0 million. And finally, Episode 6, with 7.8 million. I feel that Doctor Who has always had a problem with six-part stories. Some of them are genius, and some of them are flops, with storylines that are dragged out much longer than needed. However, that being said, every episode pulled in more viewers than Episode 4 of The Tenth Planet. So I think viewers were clearly interested in how Patrick Troughton would do. This was my first time going through this story and I found myself so caught up in things that there were many times when I forgot to make notes for the synopsis while watching this. I had to rewind quite a few times. But it was a really strong story. The characters were fairly well written and good use was made of the Daleks giving them lots of screen time versus trying to pull a cheap trick like teasing them then giving them two minutes in the last episode. Not this time. There was tons of Dalek screen time. The music for this story was really well done. It wasn't overly used, but very suspenseful when needed. I don't know how much of it was the original music versus what was put together for the animated, but it was, it was really well placed. In fact, I'm going to go really geeky here for a second. There were a few musical to tones for the Daleks that really resembled some of the tones used for the Cybermen in the later Davison era. Maybe it's just me. If it turned out to be an actual inspiration for the Cyberman music, that would be really rad. But Janley, uh The character of Janley was a little bit confusing for me because for the first couple of episodes of this story, Lesterson would refer to her as Ganley, while the other ones would call her Janley. So it was a little unclear which was that they were both referring to the same person. I felt this story was a pretty strong one but it had a few moments in episode 5 and 6 which felt unnecessary. Such as a bunch of the same shots of Daleks all shouting exterminate a few times. However, that being said, those are often the Dalek money shots that the fans go nuts over. In fact, Doctor Who doesn't really mess around with any story subterfuge when it comes to the Daleks. They are almost all the time mentioned right away in the title of the story so that there's no ambiguity what the story is about. Whereas with some of the monsters, they try to hide them in order to, to build up a big reveal during the story. 
They've done this a few times with the Cybermen. They've done this a few times with just about everyone, except for the Daleks. They're almost always mentioned right in the title. Speaking of colonists, due to budgets the show would, the show would often get, there'd be many, many times during the story when you were told a lot of the world building rather than being shown it. So you'd be, there'd be many lines of dialogue that are suggesting that there's a large colony and an extensive network of workers around the perimeter, but we only ever see the same six people. Speaking of size, the Daleks capsule was ridiculous. It was in itself a TARDIS, being bigger on the inside than out. It was described in the story in episode one as something discovered in the Mercury swamps that Lesterson had brought back to the lab, but the way that this thing had tunnels and rooms and rooms and rooms was really silly. It worked for the story, but you get what I mean. Okay, so Rotten Tomatoes gave this one a 74%. The IMDb gives this one 7.6 out of 10. And myself, I give it a 3.5 out of 5. This is actually one of the rare Dalek stories that I really enjoyed. It was a story that really made good use of the Daleks. Finding a good balance with this monster is really difficult. There's a lot of Dalek stories that either go overboard or they don't use the Daleks enough. During this era of the production, I'm really not as, not as bothered with human glitches, like actors making flubbed lines, knowing that they are essentially doing these recordings in one take. It's a lot of dialogue to pour out during these episodes. So if they mispronounce a character's name once in a while or a word, I just roll with it. It's fine. So as I mentioned earlier, this is a strong opening for Troughton. He's both a mysterious figure and the Doctor character that Hartnell had been building up for more than three years. Having two or more companions introduces a lot of challenges for Doctor Who stories, but I think Whitaker finds a good balance here between the companions and the NPCs in the story, giving them each a strong role to play as well as enough screen time with each other. Well, that about wraps it up for this episode. This is the Summons from Gallifrey podcast. I want to thank you so much for spending some of your precious time with me today. If you have any feedback, please send it to mailbag at summonsfromgallifrey.com. But in the next one, we're going to be tackling the war games. I've decided that because it's a 10-part story, 10 parts, I'm going to split it up into two episodes of five each. I think that's a good balance without having an episode that's like three hours long. <laughs> anyway, I think it's going to be a blast. I can't wait to go through them. Have a good day, everyone. Peace.